Father God, we know we live in your care and we know we work in your plans. Father, bless all the different activities that we have planned this week and coming up. Lord, help us always to be mindful of you and your ways in everything that we do. May our wills and desires recede and give way to your plans. Energize as we pray, Father. Encourage us and inspire us so that we can shine your light to each other and to the world around. Father, we at this time think about uh, students as they move around the country. It's a time of excitement and also anxiety. So those who we we may may know and may come here, Lord, we pray that we'll offer them a, a good meal and security and family and fellowship in your name. And we think of Sam as he continues uh, his road in the the new school. We're grateful that he's settled in well, but help him and his family to take on the challenges as they come and adapt to those. Father, for all the cares of our family, those we know about and mention week on week, and those that we don't, We pray that we will rest in you, encouraged and comforted by your love and your grace that helps us to stand. Amen. Chris is going to be exhorting us in just a couple of minutes, um, but first we're going to read from Luke chapter 10. It's Luke chapter 10, and it will be a duet uh, with Andrew and Sheila reading that for us. Thank you. Morning, everybody. Luke chapter 10, reading to uh, verse 24. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. 
Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? 
The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So it's great to see Hannah and Chris up visiting, and we look forward to Chris's encouragement now. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while, and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had treasure in it. I realize now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness that seems as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. Well, I didn't write that, obviously. Those are the words of uh, a Welsh, now late Welsh clergyman called R.S. Thomas. But it strikes a chord, doesn't it? We always seem to be rushing on to a receding future. I thought September was ages into the future, and suddenly here it is. What happened to the summer? And occasionally, being an old person, you know, we can look back and think, God, you know, those were the days. You know, it's a golden childhood. You know, forgetting about how cold it was, how hungry we were, and how you got sick really quite often. And uh, yes, it wasn't all that golden. But this is the way we human beings are, isn't it? We're always in our minds off somewhere else, looking to a future that seems to be racing in on us. And we're, we're far too busy and distracted these days. Or if you get a moment to reminisce and be nostalgic, everything that is past into the long distance seems to be better than now. But, says the poet, that moment of the bright field, that moment when suddenly there's a realisation of beauty, that's like the eternity that awaits you. And it, this idea excited me because the idea of the eternity that awaits you... And I was thinking, eternal life. We, we have it in the reading, don't we, it from Luke, that, that the young lawyer wants to know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus says, love. Love twice, doesn't he? Love God, love your neighbor. And suddenly it occurs to me that eternity, that eternal life is not somewhere we go to, it's a quality. Listen to Isaiah for a moment. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. So, It's not so much a place, God is somewhere. But the man who is humble and contrite and willing to receive and know his true place before God is in the same place where God is. And so that got me thinking about how often do we know that we are in the presence of the living God? And it seemed to me that mostly we're too busy. We're too busy, we're too distracted. And one of the biggest distractions in this modern world is an epidemic of FOMO. That dreadful disease called the fear of missing out. It's why you keep touching your mobile phones, isn't it? Your smartphones. Have I missed something? It's what the commercial world wants us to believe, that there's always something that we might miss out on if only we don't just race ahead. And It's why you can't buy a winter coat in February because the shops are full of T-shirts and summer clothes. It's why you can't buy summer clothes in August when it's hot because that's when the winter stuff and Christmas starts. That's... This is, this is a con-trick. I'm, I'm really, I really get quite cross about it. It's a con-trick. We are being tricked out of the now that we can have, the God-given now. And I think that the now has something to do with eternity, with eternal life. The life that we could live in the presence of God and by the grace of Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, now. And, and I rest my case upon little, little snippets of, of, uh, of the scriptures that, that um, we get. That wonderful passage from John, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him might have eternal life. That was why Jesus came, so that we should have it. He tells the young lawyer that eternal life is a quality of living in love. And John repeats the theme in his letter. Um, And I'm reading from his first letter now at chapter 3 where it says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. And he who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
If any has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and speech, but in deed and truth. But you notice that when he says no murderer has eternal life in him, it's a quality, it seems to me. I'm sure you'll tell me if I'm wrong. But so if we have this equality of eternity within us, if we have this desire for eternal life, to be where God is all the time, then how do we... How do we access it? In Ecclesiastes, after that much-quoted little soliloquy about there is a time and a season for everything, it ends by saying that God has put eternity into our hearts, but so that we can't quite work out what God's going to do next. And that's the way we live, isn't it, really? Today. We live today. We can't change the past. It's receding away from us. We can't access the future until it's upon us. You might think that you know what's going to happen this afternoon. But with respect, you're quite wrong. No, the only moment accessible to us is now, this moment. And this moment could be part of our eternity if we are living it in the presence of the living God. So in the letter to the Hebrews, the writer will say, therefore the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. Take care, brethren, lest any evil and unbelieving heart lead you from falling away from the living God. Be distracted from that relationship that gives us so much. But exhort one another as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We Share in Christ if only we hold fast to our first confidence, firm to the end. So are we in God's now? Now? Think about being in the now. I can remember when I was much younger, and here we're going into that receding past, that I could spend I don't know how long looking into the eyes of a particular young woman whom I later married. And I could spend ages brushing her long auburn hair and the time just disappeared. Why was that? Because I was totally absorbed. I was if you like, lost in wonder, love and praise. Who was this person who was allowing herself to be mine? It's the same with little Zoe, our latest grandchild, watching her, she's ten months, 
everything she does is so immediate that her concentration, her attention is focused on it entirely. For the moment, that one red ball is the most exciting and wonderful thing that she's discovered yet. Or that blade of grass, or that flower, or that glass coaster that she's not supposed to get off the coffee table. Children have this wonderful ability to experience life moment by moment. It's so enthralling. What happens to that? We get distracted, we get our heads get full of stuff and anxieties and and doing the next thing and thinking ahead and perhaps also we get stuck in the past. So the scripture says to us, today, when you hear his voice, where are we going to hear God's voice? Well, in Romans, Paul says that we have no excuse because God has made himself evident in his creation. There's an opportunity for you, like this bright field, when you see it. Do you know that God is there? God created it, God sustains it. When you see the sparrows, are you reminded that God gives you a value far above many sparrows? And also, Jesus tells us in the, the, the teaching of his, of his disciples gathered round him that he teaches us Therefore I tell you, be not anxious about your life, what you shall eat and what you shall drink and what your, about your body, what you shall put on. And he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And the answer that we receive from the media and the marketing and the mob is, no, 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 look, Look what magazines are filled with. Look what advertisements are filled with. Look at the obsessions of the internet. Clothes and this type of food and that type of food and recipes and Great British Bake Off and fashion shows. And just as you think you're in fashion, oh, you're not. Because they've brought out something that was fashionable 25 years ago. Fortunately, my clothes are always fashionable for that reason. But you see how it is. It's a, you know, we're being we're being robbed of the now that we could have in the presence of the living God. So Jesus tells us not to be anxious about what's to come, but to trust God as the birds do, and not to be anxious. Now I'm I worry for I have Olympic medals for worrying. Uh, It's wrong of me, I know, but I have to confess it to you. But this is what I am trying to learn and what I want to share with you, that even though I might be a man of little faith, what I'm trying to do is to find God in every moment, in the next moment, in the next thing. Jesus gives us this prayer to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. 
And you think, oh, but isn't it all about the kingdom coming and waiting for Jesus' return? And yes, all that is true. But when those disciples went out in Luke chapter 10 to preach the good news of the kingdom, what they said when they left uh, a, a village that wouldn't receive them was, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God came near to you and you missed it. So to some, in some sense, they were, in their preaching of the gospel and in their serving Jesus, they were of that kingdom. The kingdom of God had come near to their neighbours in the person of the, each of those disciples. And maybe that's the way it is with us, that we too, if we're looking forward to the time when the Lord Jesus will reign upon the earth for God for, the, for the, the millennium, then maybe too we need to ally ourselves with the idea that this is an eternal kingdom and it's now as well as then. It can be part of who we are and we can be part of the kingdom now if we are living that kingdom life. If we are, as Jesus says to that young man, Loving God with all our hearts and loving our neighbours as ourselves. That's the quality of eternal life and that is the quality of the kingdom of God. The prayer goes on to say, Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Do you think that those are not daily petitions? If we're asking for today's food, we're also asking for today's forgiveness. We're also offering to forgive today those who need to be forgiven. And so part of the, this exhortation this morning is today. Do it today. You've, you've no idea what's going to happen next. None of us do. We have a tendency to put things off and think, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get round to that. And we never do get round to it. And then it becomes uh, neglected to the point of embarrassment. So please, if you need to forgive someone, do it now. If you need to seek someone's forgiveness, do it now. If you want someone to know, whether it's your family, your friends, your brothers and sisters or your neighbours, that you love them, show it now. If you want to put something right that you've done wrong, please start now. Because in honesty we cannot know that there will be an opportunity to do it later. Love, someone has said, should have no regrets. And what pain it is to look back and say, I wish I had, if only, if only I'd said, now they'll never know, it's too late. So the exhortation goes, today when you hear his voice, 
Obey it. Do it now. To live in God is to live day by day. That's all we can do. And that's all that God expects of us. To live for love's sake. Because that's the way Jesus teaches us to live. Because that's the way that he lived. The great qualities of the kingdom, according to the Apostle Paul, are faith, hope and love. Now faith will one day become sight and we won't have to in any way exercise a faith for something that we cannot yet see because we shall see the Lord as he is. And hope won't be hope because we'll have it. We'll have that reality of the kingdom and of all that we desired and and set our hearts to hope for. Hope is a certain thing that is coming. So those two are not as great as love, says Paul. Faith, hope and love endure, but the greatest, the eternal quality, is the quality of love. All of these facets, it seems to me, are the the multiple colours of the kingdom. But the greatest is love because love never ends. It is an eternal quality. And according to the scriptures, God himself is that quality of love. And according to the Apostle Paul, in him, in the Lord God Almighty, we live and move and have our being. So let's, let's do that. Let's have our being every day in God. Let's listen for his voice in the voice of creation, in the scriptures as we open them day by day, in the speaking to God and the listening day by day. But this day and this moment, we have a special opportunity to draw near to the throne of grace because we are about to taste and to touch and to smell and to experience and to take into ourselves these very simple, ordinary things of bread and wine which the Lord Jesus who now inhabits that eternity with God that we are called to has given us so that we can experience now what he did ages ago in sharing these things with his disciples. And we can hear him say now, in our now, that this is the bread that speaks of his body given for us and that this is the wine that speaks of his blood that his life poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And we can receive those things now as though he were giving them to us all the way through eternity to be received 
with thanksgiving. And then we come back to the beginning and we find that God, who inhabits eternity, is also with us, who are humble and are of a contrite heart and who tremble at his word. Now is the moment to gaze on his beauty. Now is the moment to appreciate his grace. This is the sun streaming into our lives. Let's reflect on Chris's thoughts by seeing two songs together. To be in your presence, to sit at your feet, where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, O Lord. This is my desire. Lord, we find ourselves together in this moment and with this bread in front of us. Help all our distractions and our cares to fall away. Help us to make this bread that you've given us and the son that you sent as our saviour to be our only focus as we remember him. And as we share this bread, lift our hearts and our heads. From now until the future, when we'll see him face to face. Amen. Father God, you who are full of love, mercy and compassion, Great is your faithfulness. We meet together, Father, to worship you, to reflect on our own lives. And I pray that all of us can take a moment to stop and focus on this moment, this moment of peace, as we reflect on this drink, Lord Jesus, and as we experience this cup of wine together. Help us all to acknowledge your presence to stop and focus. Lord Jesus, I pray that we can pause and reflect on how we ought to live and to show the love that the Samaritan had for that poor man, to love you, to love our neighbours, and to look forward together to eternity in your kingdom. Help us in the meantime, Lord Jesus, not to be distracted, not to be anxious but to savour this moment and to reflect on it now. Amen. As I was looking through songs which might relate to the theme Chris had outlined for this morning, I came across a song which I had completely forgotten about. It was filed away in a dusty fold from my brain labelled Sing Hosanna Songs. And it's number 295. But when you, when you read the scenarios that it portrays, it is so challenging. Especially when you think of Chris's challenge to us of do it now. Number 295, would you walk by on the other side when someone called for aid? Would you walk by on the other side and would you be afraid? Number 295. 
Our loving Heavenly Father, what a beautiful morning it has been. What a privilege it has been to be here to share this moment, this presence now, beautifully presented to us by Chris. And for the lovely morning which started by the sensitive reading from your word by Andrew and Sheila, the thoughtful presentation we've had from Charles, and for the reality of our wonderful relationship with you, Heavenly Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, at this moment, this moment we can share together and be uplifted and so very, very pleased to be present in your presence at this time now, Heavenly Father. So we are truly privileged. We are so thankful to have been here this morning and to be encouraged and to go away really, really rejoicing at this moment that we share together. We are so wonderfully blessed to have had our eyes opened to your presence now, Heavenly Father, and to have that presence with us day by day until the reality of the hope that we have is brought to us when you bring this world into perfection with Jesus and our wonderful King forever. So, Heavenly Father, please, please, we thank you very, very, very much from our hearts that we have had our eyes really open to the beauty of your wonderful creation and to have the confidence to go out into all the world and to show your love to others and to our neighbour as we want to be loved ourselves. Our Heavenly Father, words, suitable words, are difficult to describe the moment we've shared this morning. But you know, you know what is in our hearts. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will look to your word day by day and we will try very, very hard to live for the moment and to appreciate our relationship with you now as we have heard and as we have been encouraged. Amen.